Great. Fantastic. Okay, so it's good to be here together. Good to be with you. It's fantastic having the kids in as well. So uh, kids, I hope you're sort of listening as you're colouring because there's going to be some things for you as well on the way. So as Sam said, we're starting a new series today called Major in the Minors. We're going to be looking at the minor prophets this term, leading us up to Christmas. So I guess some of you might immediately be thinking, well, what, what, why the minor prophets? Who are they even? What is this all about? I thought we were a church that talked about Jesus and, and kind of God's grace. And what's this minor prophets about? Where do you even find them? Well, I'm hoping that this series will... Uh, help you to understand actually the Bible is a whole. Yes, it is many books together, but it's all God's word. And actually, as Christians, every bit has stuff for us. And there's a richness in the Minor Prophets. They are the last 12 books in the Old Testament. They have some quite weird names at times, some tricky ones to pronounce. There's a lot of repetition in them. But actually, as Christians, we can come to it and we can learn more about Jesus because there's a lot of pointing towards Jesus. In fact, the New Testament, which Christians tend to major on, has a lot of quoting and referring to the Minor Prophets. Even Jesus himself talked about the Minor Prophets. So although they are probably some of the least read and most difficult books, I want to use this series really to highlight them to you, to plug them. And by no means are they minor in what they say. They pack a major punch. So we're going to be looking at these, and we're going to be looking, starting today, at Jonah. Uh, Just by word, if you are interested in exploring more, this might be a book that you would consider and find helpful. It's part of the Fillmore series. We flagged up a number of these over the years. Straight to the heart of, and he's the Minor Prophets. He works his way through the Minor Prophets. And as he does with so many of these books, just takes theology. He's a man who is so good at understanding theology and presents it in a way that's accessible for us all. So I'd recommend that if uh, this series whets your appetite at all, it'd be a good companion series to it. Okay, so we're going to be starting with Jonah today, and we're going to be looking at the first part of the Jonah story, and then we're going to pick it up again in a couple of weeks' time after our guest service. So, kids, can you hear me? Okay, you might be interested to turn around and have a look at the screen, because I'm going to show something for the grown-ups right now, but you might find it interesting too. So we've got the story of Jonah as presented by Saddleback Kids a little short video to help us know the story of Jonah. Okay, so the story of Jonah, one that I guess many of us are familiar with. But uh, I want to unpack this story a little bit today. And as I said, Jonathan will be looking at it with us in a couple of weeks' time, the the second half of the story. But it's it's worth noting it... uh, up front that the book of Jonah is different from the other prophets. In the, the other prophets, the minor prophets and the major ones, tended to be a record of things that they had been told to say to people. But actually Jonah, it's actually his whole story is what speaks. It's the story about a prophet. And we need to think about the message of this story. Jonah was written in a really clever way. There's lots of clever literary uh, techniques being used it's a, a, a style of satire, satirical writing, and it's, it's designed to make us stop and think. 
makes us stop and think about our lives, our actions, and also about God's character. It's very complex. You know, often we we just think, oh yeah, it's a nice story to tell, particularly to tell children about this man being swallowed up in a fish, but there's so much to it. It's actually very subversive and challenging. You know, even that video said he's a hero of the Bible. Well, is he a hero, really? Or is he more of an anti-hero? You know, Jonah is a representation, a representative of the people of God. He's reluctant and rebellious. Maybe a bit like us at times too. He heard from God, but he didn't really respond in an enthusiastic way. So our title today is Walk, Don't Run. We're going to be looking at how this story calls us to walk with God rather than running away. And we're going to take it in three chunks. First of all, we're going to look at the call of God and the response that Jonah makes. He runs. Why does he run? Secondly, we're going to look at how God intervenes to bring Jonah back. And finally, that Jonah repents and is forgiven and recommissioned. So first of all, God calls Jonah, but Jonah runs. Let's read the bit from the first section of Jonah, the first three verses in chapter 1. It says this, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness had come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So God's very clear. He gives him a clear instruction. Go to Nineveh. Go to this great city and preach against it. God is, has, is calling Jonah to go. There was no denying. He knew what God was asking him to do. It was loud, it was clear, he understood it. And yet, Jonah runs away. Or at least tries to. We know we can never flee from God. It says that elsewhere in, in Scripture. Where can we flee from you, O Lord? Wherever I go, even in the depths you're there, up in the heights you're there. We can't escape from God, and yet Jonah's trying. In here, we've even got some irony going on. Jonah, his name means dove. Son of Amittai, it means son of faithfulness. Son of faithfulness. You wouldn't really describe him as being faithful to his call there, would you? And yet that's his label, son of faithfulness. He didn't really live up to his name and his heritage. Have you ever felt that, like that yourself? Have you ever felt like because of your family upbringing or your name, you're supposed to be something and yet fail to meet up to expectations? Well, I would say this book brings hope for us. If, that, if, if that's you, that brings hope as well as a challenge. So why does Jonah run? What makes him flee? Well, we need to consider what he's being asked to do. He's being asked to go to Nineveh. Nineveh is the big city of the Assyrians. Now, the Assyrians, if you were doing like a pantomime version of it, the Assyrians would be the boo-hiss. They were enemies of the, the Jewish people, of Jonah's people. They were not nice people. They were horrendous. You know, it says in, in that first verse, the uh, second verse, the wickedness has come up before God. They were renowned for being 
really brutal, vicious people. To their enemies, yes, but even to one another, their laws of punishment and things are just horrendous. And yet God says to Jonah, go to these people and essentially warn them of imminent danger. So you could well believe that it was for fear that Jonah was running. And we'd understand that. Going into this really scary situation, you could understand if it was fear. It could have been fear. It could have been the fact he was scared that he said no to God. Could have been. And yet we find out at the end of Jonah, sneaking ahead, Jonah 4 verse 2 tells us that it was hatred that Jonah said no to God. Hatred towards his enemies. Because he said, isn't this what I said, Lord, when they, when they repented and, and God didn't send judgment on them? Jonah got angry with God and said, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I said, that you would do this. I, that I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. You can imagine Jonah saying it with gritted teeth, I just knew you'd do it. I hate them. I didn't want good to come to them. They're horrible. God, Jonah knew that God would find a way for sending his grace upon this group of people. He didn't want a happy ending for his enemies. Now remember, this story of Jonah is written to make us think about ourselves. What is it that God's called you to do? He may not have called you to go to Nineveh, but he's called us all to something. And are there things that are making us reluctant to say yes to him? (coughs) You know, maybe it's out of fear. Maybe it is out of hatred. What is it that makes you reluctant to say yes to God? Are you afraid of what might happen? Are you fearful for yourself? Is it hatred to the idea or who or where God is asking you to go? Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's your reputation. Maybe God's asking you to do something, but it doesn't fit with how you want to be seen. You know, for Jonah, he'd already become a bit of a big shot prophet. He'd, he'd spoken to Jeroboam II and said that something was going to happen, that he was going to be successful, and he was. He had a reputation. He didn't want to be seen to be doing something that meddling with kind of the Jewish enemies and giving them hope. There was a pressure to keep up appearances and expectations. Is that us? Is that you and me? When God says yes, are we too worried about our own reputation? Or maybe it's busyness that stops us saying yes to God. We're too busy, preoccupied doing other things. They might be really good things, but have we stopped and said, is this what God wants me to do? You know, Jonah thought, oh, I know, I'll go to Tarshish instead. Got other things. Maybe it was comfort. Maybe it's comfort that stops you saying yes to God. 
Tarshish was surely a much nicer, nicer option. They weren't their enemies. It might have been even quite nice and sunny over there. You could relax by the beach, who knows? Are we more committed to our comfort, to socialising, to having fun than saying yes to God? Or maybe it's a different view of the world. Maybe we just don't see things the way God does. God has always loved his enemies. You and I, before we knew him, were enemies. And yet he didn't stop at letting us know about him. God has such a different view. Maybe there's groups of people that we just write off, that we can't possibly feel we can associate with. There may be people from particular ethnic groups or different religions. People have a different outlook on life. They're no-go areas for us. And yet God says there's no-go areas. We were singing his reckless love. He doesn't stop. Tim Mackey, the guy behind the Bible Project, says this. Jonah is being invited into a story that's much bigger than he signed up for. He thinks he's running for his life, but he's actually running from his life. God is inviting us into something so much richer. God's calling us. He's got a call on each one of our lives. So often we can be reluctant to say yes and much more ready to say no. No, because I'm scared or, or worried or angry or, or too busy or, or, or I just like my comfort. There can be all sorts of reasons, and yet God says, don't you see the amazing adventure I'm calling you on to? Let's do this together. Jonah says no to God's call. He doesn't want us to say no to his call. Jonah tries to flee and run away, but, but God intervenes. Let's pick it up in verse 4 of chapter 1. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. Must have been an incredible storm. These were sailors. They were used to encountering the wind and the waves and yet they were scared. And they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did, did their best to row back to land, but they, did not, they could not go. They, they, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, Lord. 
have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. God intervenes. He breaks in. What's happening is here he deals with Jonah in love, even though that Jonah probably doesn't see it as love at the time, to get him back on track to his ways. Dramatic events that God sovereignly organised. You know, God went to incredible lengths because he loved people who were far from him. That we hear right at the beginning of this chapter that their wickedness had gone up before God and yet he loved them. He loved them. And he was prepared to go to all sorts of lengths to let them know the way they were going was not good. It ended up with a man spending three days in the belly of a fish. Isn't that like he did for us? Isn't that like he did for us? A man, a very different man, admittedly, spent three days in the belly of the earth. Jesus. Jesus. We've been singing about him this morning. This is the good news. This is what you and I are living by. God went to the most incredible lengths so that his enemies, you and me, could know him. Do you know, I believe he did these, he, he, he organised these events because he loved Jonah too. He wanted Jonah to be involved, to adventure with him. He intervened to get him back on track. Hebrews 12, 5 and 6, quoting Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 says this, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, And do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Sometimes God disciplines us to bring us back, but his motivation is love, because he's got the best for us. He's got the best for us. Have you experienced God bringing you back? What did it look like? It might not have been much fun at the time. It might have been painful. But God's purpose was that he's got good things. He wants to bring you back. He wants to say, come on, let's get on this adventure again. Don't be sidetracked. This book tells us of God's passion and commitment to his plans and his people, even to those not yet his people, like the Assyrians. So God speaks. He calls Jonah, Jonah flees, or at least tries to. God intervenes dramatically to get him back on track. And finally, God gets Jonah to a point where he repents, and then God forgives him and recommissions him. Let's pick up uh, in chapter 2 of Jonah. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. 
to the roots of the mountains, I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. What a wonderful response from Jonah. What a wonderful response in this moment. God has intervened. He's created the storm. Jonah's been thrown out into the sea. A fish has swallowed him up. And Jonah comes to recognise God is the one who is almighty and all-loving. And he's brought to his knees in praise and worship. I was running, I was doing the wrong thing, but I will look again. I look to you now, Lord, for my salvation. In fact, he says that. Salvation comes from the Lord. He comes to his senses. A bit like the prodigal son in the New Testament. He comes to his senses. He's woken up. God wants to wake us up too. He wants us to declare with Jonah, salvation comes from the Lord. And then God responds with forgiving and recommissioning Jonah, as he does for us. You know, when we come back, no matter how many times we've gone away before, when we come back, he welcomes us back and says, come on, let's run again. The Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city. Come on, the plan hasn't changed. Come on, I've restored you, go again. This is a story that tells us God's the God of the second chances. And the third and the fourth and the fifth. He's there to pick us back up. Come on, let's run again. All he wants is a humble heart. A willingness. Yes, use me, Lord. I admit I've, I've gone off track, but I hear your voice. I want to come back and run again. He says, come on then, let's do this. hope for us we can know the forgiveness and that recommissioning have you been saying no to God running from him and his plans today you can say actually I want to come back I want to run again I want to stop saying no for whatever reason I might have and they might be really good reasons but we know because the Bible tells us And because God's faithfulness is proven through our experience, he never leaves us and forsakes us. And his plan, he will lead us through into it. He's not going to, he didn't just leave Jonah and say, right, off you go, then off, uh, get on with it. He's right with him. And how much more do we know that? His spirit lives within us. We can make that choice today. You know, being a Christian, as we grow in maturity, it's learning about letting our own vision of what our life should be like, letting that die and accepting God's vision instead. That's what walking with God is all about. It's okay, I'm going to say no to myself and my plans and yes to you and your plans because they will be much, much better. He came to give us a life in abundance. How do we get that? By walking with him.
So Jonah's more than a story about a man in a fish. It's designed to make us stop and think about our lives, our actions, and God's character. God's calling. How are we going to respond? Yes or no? God loves deeply. Even those who we might not love, he loves them. He acts to draw people, even you and me, to him. And if we repent, he will forgive and he sends us out again. So let's walk, don't run. Not run away, but walk with God and see what he will do. This is the story of Jonah. It's about God's incredible love and his passion for us to adventure with him. Oh, Father God. Lord, I thank you. Thank you as we begin this series on the Minor Prophets that there is so much for us in these. Lord, will you continue to help us to be people that hear your voice and walk with you. Lord, to adventure with you. Lord, I thank you that you promised to give us life and life to the full in all its abundance. You have good things for us. And Lord, where we have where we've said no to you. Maybe there's particular areas of our lives where we know you've been asking us to do something and we're just holding back. Will you help us to take that step of faith, to say yes to you? If we're fearful, will you give us the courage? Lord, if, if we're resting and seeking our own comfort or avoiding because of busyness, will you redirect us? Help us to see you and your goodness, your kingdom as priority. Help us to truly be people like you called us to be, to seek your kingdom first, and everything else will be added after that. And Lord, I pray as we do that, as we go to places we haven't yet been to, that we've been avoided, Lord, I pray that we would see amazing things happen. Who would have thought the Ninevites would turn? And yet they did. When we go, who knows what's going to happen? Only you know. So Lord, I pray, help us. Help us to walk and not run away. In your name, amen.